0: You are listening to the 9 to 5 Outsiders podcast with me, Usman Diallo, where you can learn tips and ideas on how to overcome the challenges of leaving your job to start your own business journey. If you are all about challenging the status quo and will not settle for average, then you have come to the right podcast. So if you are listening to this podcast right now, chances are you have student loan, credit card, or medical debts. As a matter of fact, for the first time in history, our nation has has a record of $1.5 trillion of student loan debt, leaving millions of Americans struggling to pay off their debt. That is why I've partnered with Mediator Debt Solutions a company that specializes in helping thousands of people like you acquire financial debt relief by helping them resolve their student loan, credit card, medical, and other forms of unsecured debt. Mediator Debt Solution has helped thousands of people reduce their debt with 40% to 60% saving and become debt-free within two to three years. To learn more about your free consultation, go to www.phpdebtsolutions.com SM 12729 or click on the link in the episode's description details for your free consultation. All right, all right. Thank, thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Facebook Friends Offline. I'm excited about today's show because I have a special guide, a special guest, you know, on the line. So uh, a little bit about himself, you know, he's a he's an author and a public speaker in the personal finance area. You know, he wrote a book, you know, that I just finished reading. By the way, debt free or die trying. Debt free or die trying. The the title was very interesting. By the way. <laughs> So, great book. He's the host of the podcast called Paychecks and Balances. And it's basically a show that focuses on educating millennials about work, money, life. So, if you're looking to uh, get out of debt or maybe you're looking for a new job or you're just looking for like a fun and relatable approach to personal finance, any type of career advice, I really, really, really suggest that you check out, you know, this, this podcast for millennials. And uh, but um. Uh, he's also, uh, he's been featured on Yahoo Finance, CBS News, and uh, his podcast Paychecks and Balances uh, actually has become the winner of the 2019 award for the best millennial or Gen Z Black, uh with a Plutus award. So without further ado, Marcus, uh, thanks for having you. Thanks for being on the show, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome. 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 So debt free or die trying. I want to, I want to go ahead and start with this first. Okay. How did you even, I mean, how did you come up with the name? Why did you write the book? And tell us a little bit about your background. What inspired you to uh, wanting to go on this journey of uh, personal finance for millennials?
1: So the book I actually wrote and released in 2016, the background story, I was actually a blogger before that. I was writing online, which... Kind of seems like everything that everyone's been doing now. But that was actually groundbreaking at the time. Or it, was, it wasn't as, as unanimous. Everybody didn't have a blog and everybody didn't have a podcast at the time. And I started way back in the MySpace days. So that's what I mean by that. I, I guess My, technically MySpace? you can go even. Yeah, 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 yeah. Blittery gifs and top eight. Now I, was, I was writing a blog there. And people told me, you know, you have a funny writing style. You should. And I didn't actually. I was just writing because MySpace had a little thing that you could do. Uh, and people were like, you should start a blog didn't know what that was i was like all right they were like you can get paid you know people are making millions blogging i was like so <laughs> so i started up a blog and i was doing that for a short time and actually a group of other writers there were six of them at that time reached out to me and they were like hey we see what you're doing on your platform we want you to come write for us started writing for them and it was actually talking it was uh, seven young black men just talking about being young black men and mostly on the dating side and what that was like we were in our early 20s okay. so of course we were experts <laughs> And ultimately, as I got older, um, I started, you know, like most people, especially now, I started getting interested in my finances. I was trying to get out of the debt at that time. I was about 27 when I really started getting serious about money management. And I said that I just kind of made this declaration that I was going to get out of debt. And I I wasn't thinking about the book at that time. But at 27, I said, you know what, I'm going to start working towards seriously getting out of debt. And I started living the lifestyle that would ultimately become the story behind "Debt for your Die Try.
0: Okay, so so talk to us about the the lifestyle because, uh, like you said, you know, uh, it took it took a lot of maturity for you to get to where you are right now. Because uh, in the book, you talked about how you know, you've, when you've, you're fresh, your freshman year in, in in college, when those banks start. I mean, I've experienced that too. They start coming to campuses and. Sometimes they, uh, they offer you a bottle of water or a free T-shirt, and you can get a credit card. And then you didn't really have any experience with how the process worked. Right. You got a credit card, and before you know it, you start getting into uh, a lot of debt. How was, what was that experience like? Talk to us a little bit about that.
1: I was 18 when I got my first credit card. So uh, fresh, young, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed in college. And I recall I was walking through the yard, and there there was like a line. Yeah, like I had to fight through this crowd of people. They're like, "Yo, they're they're giving away free money. All you gotta do is kind (laughs) of sign this contract, and they're giving away T-shirts." I actually think I got a yo-yo, if I remember correctly. That was my prized possession, and I signed on the dotted line. It was actually I'm not gonna name drop because I don't wanna get sued by anybody. This company is still around, but I signed up for my first credit card with them. I actually realized I had another credit card that I forgot even existed because they emailed me recently with like a threatening like you haven't used this credit card in ten years, we're gonna close it I'm like, if I ain't used it in the last ten years, <laughs> what makes you think I'm gonna suddenly start using it in the next ten years uh but that was actually one of my first credit cards because it was dated like two thousand one. I graduated in two thousand one high school started going to school and I mean, like most college students, I was like free money, free T-shirts, you know, it goes hand in hand. I signed up and I didn't even think much about it. And they sent me at least two credit cards. They might have sent me more than that. By the time I graduated, I had about three credit cards. And, you know, um, like like everybody said, it seemed like free money. So (laughs) I started buying free stuff with it. And every time that little minimum payment came in, I was like, okay, this is nothing. I can make this. I also thought once I graduated college I was gonna be rich because that's what I was going to college for anyway. So I, I had no plan, I had no budget. I was just buying anything that I thought was cool or shiny on this little piece of plastic that I thought was free money.
0: Wow. Okay. So so you so basically it's kinda of like it seems like you you kind of got taken advantage of. I mean, maybe that's a strong way to put it, right. but you know, because I have a friend myself who uh was first introduced to his uh, his credit card actually on campus uh, at school right. and they told him hey uh, do you drink water and you, you wore a t-shirt he's like yeah I drink water and buy a t-shirt I said okay let's get you a credit card and he got oh, it so you you started getting all these credit cards and all those bills and and, and I mean, it seems like you know you started going on shopping spring buying a lot of things you know going to to the NBA all-star in, in, in ATL with your friends hanging out right right. did anybody at that time like like, the reason i'm asking this is because um i'm in i'm in the financial industry myself personal finance and i noticed that uh in our school system today unfortunately there is not a lot of emphasis on personal finance did you have anybody at all teaching you on how you should be spending your money you know things you should be doing with your credit cards did you, did, or everybody was just looking at you like, hey, let's spend the money, how, how was it?
1: I'm gonna proceed carefully here because my parents say that they lectured me about money. I don't remember,
0: but over the, you know, now
1: I'm in this space, I've been on you know, NBC and Yahoo, and I'm like, nobody told me, and my parents are like, we told you all the time. So they claim, let me get that disclaimer out there, they claim that they gave me lots of advice, mm-hmm. I just did not follow. Now, I don't remember any of it, and no, definitely not among my friends. Um, The strange thing is everyone seemed to have money because either folks had a credit card because we weren't having discussions about where the money was coming from. Mm -hmm. They either had credit cards like me or they had student loan refunds, which I now learned about 20 years later. Mm -hmm. Uh, So everyone had the lifestyle and the appearance of money. I remember all my friends had cars with rims and 20-inch systems and speakers and boom boxes. And I didn't have a large sum of student loans, so I didn't get refunds. I was like, where? And no one talked about it. So I was just like, where's everyone getting these money? Like, I want rims. I want nice things, too. (laughs) So it was like we were in this silent competition to compete with one another. But no one ever talked about where the money came from. And I talk about that in the book a lot when if they didn't have it, you know, I'm like, you know, y'all my day one, y'all my best friends. There's nothing. I got this little free money right here on this car. Don't worry about it. It's all on me. So a lot of the stories that I benefited from and the trips that I benefited from, mostly spring break. That's why I tended to spend, you know, yeah, buy bottles. You got to buy a VIP. You got to have the sparklers coming out. Uh, that's why I tend to spend the thousands of dollars. But from day to day, I was just nickel and diamond. You know, I would always go over my meal plan. But thematically, what you're seeing here, I just had no plan. My only spending plan was whenever I ran out of cash, I'd use the credit card.
0: Wow. And and it got to the point where you were even paying your credit card balances with other credit cards.
1: Yeah, by the time I was, so I I think what's impressive is how long you can run up a credit card before it really (laughs) becomes uh, insurmountable. Another thing to keep in mind is, I I, no one ever asked me, uh, as far as on the industry side, how much money I made. I had no set job, I was working part time jobs. I worked at the mall at no time at any point during college did I ever make more than fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a year, usually about five to nine dollars an hour. Yet, I had these credit cards with limits and five thousand and ten thousand and fifteen thousand. So, by the time I graduated school, or taking a step back, by the time I was 21, 22. I graduated at 22. Then I had gotten to that insurmountable point where I would use introductory balance transfers. Uh, So for folks who don't know what that is, you can open up a credit card. They'll give you an introductory rate of about usually 0%, usually 18 to 24 months. I would use that to pay off any other credit cards that I had either nearly maxed out or almost maxed out. You had had
0: a whole method about it.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, And then... I actually benefited a little bit from being old because I would, I would post-date checks. You know how now everything is cash app and instantaneous and Venmo? I would write a check with no money in the bank because I knew I'd get paid on Friday. I would hold that check and I knew that they would give you credit if the check was post-dated. So I would wait till the bill was due. I'd mail it so it'd be post-dated on the bill due date. And then I would hope that they would not get that check before my bank deposit on Friday. Wow. And that was about 21, 22. That was even before I graduated. And I had about, I graduated with about nine to $10,000 in credit card debt
0: and a $3,000 student loan. So how did he go to uh, 30,000? Because the title of the book is Debt Free or Die Trying. How I bury myself in over $30,000 in debt and how I dug my way out of it. So how did it get to from, do you say $9,000? It was $9,000
1: and a $3,000 student loan. So how did you- uh, A couple of people were gonna ask about that. So I grew up in Texas. I don't know where your audience is. So at that time, Texas had a Texas Tomorrow Fund. I actually think it went bankrupt. <laughs> uh, they brought it back with a new concept, but you could buy credit hours in the present year for whatever time you went into uh, college. I also graduated in the top 10% of my high school. And so at that time, I'm not sure if this still exists. You could, you could have first access to public Texas schools uh, and then so in combination with that, I was able to get pretty much about 70% of my school paid for. And then I also took a number of AP classes. I went to community college. So I, I bring that up because of how big student loans have gotten now. They're like $1.6 so, so, So most of your debt were, was, weren't coming from student loan? No, most mm-hmm. of mine was credit card debt. Mm-hmm. Trying to keep up with my friends who had student loan refunds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I bring that up because a lot of people ask, you know, what's the best thing to do for managing credit or how do I get out of debt? The first step is to minimize the debt that you take out. Um, mm-hmm. So I actually got lucky that I didn't have student loans and credit card debt. Yeah. Uh, there's a debate on would I have had both or would I have just spent the other? I mean, that's, that's chicken egg. I'll never really know that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, to answer your question, uh, the remaining 21000 was actually a, and this is where the, the, the most um, popular story in the book come from, and really where the title of the book came from. I actually got $26,000 of my total $30,000 in debt in a 72-hour period. So I graduated school with $9,000 in debt, and I'm thinking, you know, I made it. I got a business degree, six, six figures this year, seven figures next year. Wow. Bing, bang, boom. I'll be a white Pretty
0: optimistic about things. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I already had
1: visions of me dancing and, you know, music videos. And <laughs> I graduated. It took me six months to find a job. I couldn't, I couldn't even find a job. Wouldn't nobody hire me. And the job that I did get was $19,000. So I'm thinking six figures. Wow. It took me six months to get a $19,000 job and even before that took place or it might it might have been right around that time i uh i got a loan consolidation offer in the mail i had no idea at that time i'm 22 years old i've never had a full-time job in my life and they basically sent me a different form of a blank check they were like hey we see you got a little debt. Well, this is like the marketing material. Mm-hmm. We see you got a little debt. And it, ha- it had like, you know, uh, the United Nations on front. So, you know, there's like a black guy smiling and a black woman smiling. And, and you know, everyone's looking friendly and rich. So I was like, oh, wow. They, I want to be happy and rich too. Cool. And so I signed up for this consolidation loan. I think it was around 10000 And the, the, the theory, <laughs> the idea was you take all three of those credit cards I had, about $9,000 in debt. Mm-hmm. Into a consolidation loan, and you make one low monthly payment until it's paid off. Mm -hmm. That's theory. Yeah. So I'm sitting around, I'm thinking they're going to pay off the credit cards on my behalf because that makes sense. That's like what a responsible lending institution would do because I'm a 22 year old who's never had a full time job, who spent (laughs) $9,000.
0: That was new to you. They mailed me a
1: check. And at that time I had a, a, an equally high maintenance, low accountability girlfriend and we got that check and it was like ball out season, you know? So <laughs> we went out, I think um, the hypnotic, the blue liquor was really pop. I remember, I remember a lot of blue liquor bottles coming in my direction. I don't remember a lot about this weekend, but I remember a lot of blue bottles uh, I took her to the mall, you know, she's my girl. I got a show out for her. So, you know, she's walking around with a bunch of bags on her shoulders like they do slow motion in the videos. You know, you know, <laughs> and my natural personality is uh, we talk about on the, on the show a lot. There's spenders and then there's savers. My wow. natural personality still is to this day. And I'll talk a little bit about how I made a change is to spend. I like spending money. I like I don't like seeing like accounts grow and thinking 20, 30 years down the road and a 7% return and the stock markets up and the stock markets down. I'm like, that's cool. But you know what else is cool? Bottles right now. <laughs> and so like I like to spend immediately. I've slowed down a little bit over the years, you know, my back, my back won't let me go out like I used to. Yeah. But that's what I was thinking. I wasn't not worried about this consolidation loan. I was not worried about these credit cards. And I spent What's impressive to me, after watching so many music videos and rap music videos over the year is actually very difficult to spend $10,000. <laughs> so, so I'm out here making it rain, I'm buying bottles, I'm buying bags, and I still had money left over. I was like, I don't know how these rappers- How am I stuff. gonna spend the rest of it? <laughs> yeah, exactly, like I'm exhausted, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that weekend, uh, I, had, I had had a used car all through college and I was like, no more of that, not for me, I need some on rims like all my friends had throughout college. And I went out and I got a used, two-thousand. it's 2005. I got a used 2002 Camry. And I remember it. I walked onto the lot and I was like, that. <laughs> and the guy was like, oh, let's go in and negotiate. Let's talk, you know, down payment. Let's, you know, he's thinking like, I'm going to talk about the price
0: and so have a so lot. You, you, it. Were using the, you were using the money from the consolidation loan yes. to do all that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, I ain't got time for talking and haggling, man. I want that car on rims right now. Like, what, what do you, I'm trying to give you money. You're trying to talk. And I was actually very lucky that this guy, he actually did not take advantage of me. He was probably the first person who tried and failed to talk mm-hmm. sense to me. He was like, Let's slow
0: down
1: <laughs> he's like hey man let's go down to the credit union he actually went with me I, I grew up in a small town i now realize he went with me to the credit union he probably knew this lady from you know 40 years or whatever i should probably send him a thank you card now and uh he got me he signed me up with a credit union on a, a what was probably a low interest loan at that time i had a decent credit score i was in the 700s and he signed me up for my first car so for the, those keeping score at home $10,000 credit card or $9,000 of credit cards. I had a $10,000 consolidation loan come in. A ball out weekend. I paid off like one of the three credit cards. I got a $13,000 used car. That gets me up to $26,000. So so mm-hmm. I went from 9,000 to 26,000 in 72 hours. Wow. And then People can somewhat buy into that. They're like, okay, I've seen rap videos before. I know how much cars cost. You know, they can wrap their head around that. Mm-hmm. But I got a flat screen TV for $3,000. And that's where people like, they're like, no, no, you're lying. Like, I can believe this $26,000 part of the story. But I try to tell people, you know, I'm 37 years old in 2019. I got a flat screen TV when it first came out. It might, it might as well have been like when the iPhone came out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, you so, you know, TV was like this big before then. Yeah. So, so, yeah, that's how I got up to $30,000 $30, in debt. And I, I detail all of this in the book. Like you said, the book is Debt-Free or Die Trying. I self-published, so it's available on Amazon and also Kindle.
0: Yeah. But it, it goes
1: through every detail, and I think we'll talk about it a little bit later. It also talks about how I got out of that
0: debt. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and, that's, and I'm glad you mentioned that because that was the next thing I want to get into. Uh, so you got the consolidation loan for $10,000. You pay some credit cards. You bought the TV. You bought the car and everything. Then you starting to realize that, okay, I mean, I, I can't make the payment for those, right?
1: Well, wow. well a lot of people ask this. That's a great, great question. You would think at any one of these points that that would have been the wake-up call, uh, the $9,000 in credit cards for a yo-yo. So I got a $9,000 yo-yo. Uh, the $26,000 weekend, the $3,000 flat screen TV. But mind you, I'm 22, I'm 25. I'm actually, and that's what I tell people now, I'm having a great time. I'm spending money. I look like I have money. I, I look wealthy. I'm broke financially. I uh, learned a lot about net worth over the years. I knew nothing. I didn't even know the word. I didn't know the terms net and worth. I never put those two together in my entire life up to that point. So it was... Around 27, when it finally, you know, all parties come to an end, it all came crashing down because I was I was in denial. And it actually the breakdown came. I knew I was working three jobs, but I didn't mind. I was young and I knew I was struggling to make ends meet, but I wasn't processing how much trouble I was in. I didn't really even know how much total debt I had. I just kind of knew I had debt out there but I got a car with rims and a flat screen TV, so I'm good. (laughs) And I missed one payment. And Mm -hmm. that one payment the next time ballooned to 29% interest. So I probably had a really low interest rate. Like I said, I had credit score around 700. It ballooned to 29% overnight. The next time the bill came in, I realized I could not afford the bill after that. And I was like, okay, I, it was actually that first credit card I opened. And so I said, you know what? I've been a loyal customer for five, six years. I'll I'll call them up. It's just a yeah, discrepancy. Yeah, I'll just I'll have a good talk with them. And they were like, send me my money. <laughs> And then I made a series of even dumber mistakes I, uh, in, in a rage. I closed that credit card, which lowered my credit score because part of your credit score is credit utilization. So that's how much credit you have available over how much you're using. It's the ratio. That's 30% of your credit score. So I had a credit card at 30% interest, 29.99% interest. I closed that card. I lowered my interest. Another about 30% of your credit score is credit history, How much? Cr- headed history you have available on an on average and that was my oldest card i closed that so i lost some of my credit history so i dinged myself three times just because i made an emotional decision to close that credit card mm-hmm. and that was the weekend or weekend where i'm like i i got a problem i i cannot maintain this lifestyle this facade that i have put on and it all came cr- crashing down and in a panic, I started looking for, I was like, oh, I remember when I graduated college, I signed up for that, that, that consolidation loan. But I was so busy out here balling, working three jobs that I didn't realize I, I wasn't getting as many credit card offers as I used to. The mailbox used to be, you know, stacked full. You know how you junk mail, you can barely get your hand yeah. in there. Uh, by the time I got to that point, I was, I could reach straight to the back. There was no mail in there. <laughs> Nobody was trying to offer me credit or credit cards. And I got one loan off. Uh, from a large institution that's still around, one of the largest, and I was like, "All right, you know, it, you know, you've seen it. You've been pre-qualified for you know some astronomical amount. Uh, just call this number." And I remember, I was like, "If I don't get this offer, it's all gonna spiral." Like i was on a spiral to bankruptcy i'm working three jobs there's only so many hours in a day Mm -hmm. and that included a full-time job and two part-time jobs i was doing uh i was selling phones i had a full-time job because i graduated college and i you know i was doing the nine to five the professional thing and then i worked at a hotel uh on the weekends and every now and then i would pick up contracts you were working like
0: seven days a week yeah wow
1: Every now and then I'd pick up contract work, uh, putting computers together for Dell. Dell used to hire contract workers during like their busy season. We're talking during Christmas right now. At that time, Dell was one of the largest providers and I was back in Austin, Texas, and they would hire contract workers for 15 $17 an hour. I would go do that. And then they'd lay everybody off after the busy season. Mm-hmm. And I was, even despite all that, three jobs, I was like, if I don't get this offer, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills next month. That was what I call and talk about rock bottom in the phone, in the book. And I know a lot of people; they're either there or they can relate to that. And that's why I retell that story so often. Um, and every time I retell it, I still remember that feeling. It feels like I'm there. Uh, it feels. I still remember the call. I remember the heart palpitations. I remember the panic. I, I think I was literally on my knees, possibly with tears in my eyes. Like I remember. <laughs> nearly begging for money, another consolidation loan to make ends meet.
0: Wow. 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 I mean, it's definitely an interesting story because, uh, what I, what I got from, from, from one of the biggest thing I got from the book is that, um, you went through a lot of, uh, when you were using those those credit cards, you went through a lot of adversities, a lot of things, but I like the fact that you said you were working three jobs, you know, trying to pay it off because, I think they say 76% of Americans today are living paycheck to paycheck. So what happens when you in that kind of situation like yourself, where you have credit cards, you have to pay all these bills, you don't know where to go. And, and then you hear some people say things like, well, I don't know how to get out of that situation. And instead of doing something about it, they, it's like they dug, they dug themselves in the hole. So what were some of the strategies? Cause I know you talk about, you don't have to go into the details because mm-hmm. the book is good they need to go buy the book to get most of the details but talk about you know some of the strategies that you use to get out of debt because some people say oh I'm already in debt so I might as well keep going you right. decided to, to take a different route so what, what were some of the things that you started doing because you said it took you about six seven years to pay it off in
1: total uh, six six years uh, no it have been eight years So, I graduated college at 22 and I got out of debt at age 30. But when I got serious about three to five years, now mind you, uh, i the good part or funny part, or ironic part, it depends if, if you believe in luck, if you believe in God, if you, you're uh, agnostic or <laughs> whatever. Um, I, I had a career pathway that actually led to a lot of growth. And I like to bring that up because 90% of, I know hustles and side hustles and passive income is big and entrepreneurship and real estate hacking. These are all things that they can work and they work because they take work. And I think sometimes it just comes across as people are like, oh yeah, just buy a couple of houses, flip this, flip that. And it kind of reminds me of like, yeah, when I graduate six figures, seven figures, and that's a five, 10 year plan. Mm -hmm. And I got serious at age 25. So I'm actually going to release a a revision of the book in 2020, January 2020. I'll talk about that when we get to the close. But I've now uh, condensed it into a four-step plan. And I use debt as the acronym to keep it simple. So that's debt, define the plan. E, establish what you're going to do about that plan. So define the problem. I like to use annualcreditreport.com. And you can get your three... Free credit report from each of the bureaus that's legally available to you by federal law. E establish a plan. So now you know how much debt you have, assuming you did not know before. And I, I'm actually surprised how many people don't. Mm-hmm. And as far as a plan goes, um, the snowball method made most popular by Dave Ramsey is the most popular method. Uh, but I talk about five or six other different plans that you can use because the plan necessarily is doesn't matter which plan you employ it matters that you stick to the plan Stick to the plan yeah. so psychologically yes the d- snowball works best for people so for those who aren't familiar the snowball method is you take the lowest amount of debt and you pay that off first you make minimum payments on all your other debt and then you snowball or roll your debts towards every other payment until all the debt is paid off for whatever reason they like snow themes i guess so there's also an avalanche method The avalanche method is gonna save you the most amount of money. That's where you take your highest debt with the highest interest. And for most people, that's gonna be student loans, and you tackle that first. But that's gonna be five, 10, 15 years for a lot of people. So that's why a lot of people like the snowball method. What I talk about in the book is what I did, which was the whatever method. (laughs) Whatever money I had, I threw it at debt. I didn't have no plan, I didn't have no name, I didn't have no catchy acronym. Yeah. Uh, but actually, once I started getting better and I saw myself making progress, just seeing that debt start to go down, I was like, hey, this is working. So I established a plan. I use Bankrate.com. They're still available and they're actually really large. If you go to Bankrate.com slash calculators, I am not paid by Bankrate, but they have every calculator you can think of and they'll give you an exact plan for paying off your debt. So I remember going to Bankrate, who I had never heard of, and to give a date to how old I am. I didn't go to Google, I went to Yahoo and typed in, how do you get out of debt? <laughs> and it came up as a top search and they're still a great uh, reliable source, I still recommend them to this day. Mm-hmm. And I printed out a PDF document and it told me exactly how much money I would have to pay each month to get out of debt. And then when you roll that into your budget. Um, the first time I put together a budget B was 27 years old. So for 27 years of my life, and I, by that time, had a credit card for nine of those years, I put a budget together. And I know a lot of people hate the B word, but mm-hmm. if you tie it to your plan, that's when it matters. Now, I tell a lot of people, honestly, most people don't need a budget. They definitely don't need a month-to-month budget, but you do need to know where your money's going.
0: Mm-hmm. So most
1: people don't know where their money's going, therefore, they need a budget. Yeah. They think they don't need a budget, then you ask them, where well, where's your money going? It's like, I don't know. So yes, you're going to need a budget for one, maybe two, maybe three months because it's going to build a habit of responsible spending. But
0: yeah. mm-hmm.
1: I talk about and focus on now, as you know, because we work together, I'm an author. I've been an author for 15 years. I love stats, facts, figures. I read 15 books a year. I'll probably read 20 next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love all that. I'm reading stuff at work all day long. Novels as big as a dictionary. I used to think people was as motivated by facts, figures, and stats as myself. And I was probably in my 30s where between people. And actually, I was having a conversation with, I think, another auditor about personal finance. And she was like, can you put that in the list? And I had been talking for a very long time. (laughs) And I was like, wow, this person works in data, facts, evidence, (laughs) and quantitative analysis for a living. And all she wants is a checklist. And I was like, yes, yeah, I could do that for you. And I was like, I should probably carry that to my book as well. And that's what I'll be doing in 2020. And then T, debt is trust the process. Trust the process. Time will pass on its own. You don't have to worry about that part. If you define the problem, you establish a plan. I like to automate everything. I think you had a couple questions around which tools I use. Yeah. Build a budget that allows you to work the plan. And then I'll put it to the side. And I say that because when I made my final debt payment, mm-hmm. eight years, you know, I'm you know, much more reserved and calm, not buying as many bottles anymore. And I really got clear on my priorities. I didn't even notice. It was, it was an automatic payment that ran behind the scenes. The check would come in on the first, the it automatic didn't payment would come mm-hmm. in on the second. I didn't even know the money had come or gone. I just knew that master's card had been paid for and I moved on and is, then, is
0: that something that you set up with the bank is it is it an automatic payment you set up with the bank or how does that work
1: yeah these days you can set it up either way a lot of banks offer uh free automatic payments uh credit cards like money too so you can automate payments over there as well i personally don't like automating payments with credit cards i actually don't like automating payments with anything i still to this day go in and pay all my bills even though i could automate them okay and i say that because the sign-up process for automation is click this button. The sign-up process for getting automation is click this button. Send in your firstborn child's DNA. Send us, you know. So it's always much more difficult to stop people from taking your money than it is. It's to easy
0: to get, it. to get in, but it's not easy to get out.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, automated payments are sort of like the mafia, you know, it's like a gang. So I don't like to join gangs. I don't like to join automatic payment programs, but I do have a plan that I use for tracking my monthly payments throughout the month. And even now, my favorite automatic tool is Mint. Uh, a lot of
0: people I actually like, I like Mint a lot. I use it too. Yeah. Really yeah, cool. I like Mint. It's really a good
1: app. Mm-hmm. I like Mint, uh, we had a number of people, this is like an ongoing battle. It's like Mint or Mint, and uh, You Need a Budget is another app. It's like the Android and Apple of budgeting software. Like yeah. look, whatever works. <laughs> so that being said, to this day, I actually have one right behind me, I'm looking at it. I use a whiteboard calendar that I originally got from Walmart for $10. And it's a calendar that you fill out each month and I write in my bills. I write a few other notes on there as well that calendar has saved me more money (laughs) has helped me pay more bills has helped me stop from missing more bills than any automated payment system any electronic system any text note or email because i look at that calendar and i write down how much the bill was last month and i've caught three dollars six dollars um i actually had an ongoing battle with the company they ultimately refunded half of it over six dollars i chased this company for like three months because as y'all notice, like it's, I don't mind spending my money, but these billion-dollar entities can't take my money. You know, I'm like, hey,
0: hey, that's my six dollars. That's that's a quarter of my hour. <laughs> you know, so the debt, the debt free is it, so. Is it a course that you have now? The yes. Okay. So
1: I've taken uh, the book "Debt Free or Die Trying" and I put that into a four-week course. And each week we'll walk you through the plan that I talked about there in more detail. It's a video program. Uh, you can find that. And I'll get this for you if you want to put in your show notes or something like that, but it's okay. at C O slash learn. And we've put together a number of courses through paychecks and balances to help people better manage their money. So paychecks and balances, we help people make money, Save money and get out of debt. We focus on millennials, but any working professional that wants to raise their paychecks or lower their balances—that's what we
0: do there. Okay, paychecks and balances. And um, I think one of one of the one of the episodes that I was listening to, you uh, had um you had a, you had a I, I forgot his name, but uh, I think he used to be in IT and then lost his job and and decided to get into real estate or was already in real estate, made a lot of money out of real estate. So, I mean, you, you, there's a lot of good content out there that you put out for, you know, Thank professionals, you. people that want to make more money. Now, in one of your videos on Yahoo Finance, mm-hmm. you talked about the importance of increasing your cash flow, which I completely yeah. agree with you. One of the things that I've been preaching for a long time is that this is the time where we have to make more money. It's not, it's, I mean, it's, it's necessary because the cost of living 30 years ago is different from the cost of living today. Yes. And the income that we used to make 30 years ago is about the same. So right. it's, it's mathematically, you know, impossible to really make a living uh, by not increasing your income. You talk about some of the ways most people can, can kind of increase their income, their cash flow. Uh, what are some of the things that most people can do? I think...
1: Where most people fail on increasing their cash flow. So the article that you're referring to, if people want to check it out in the video, uh, that's how I increase my salary 400%. So as y'all recall, mm-hmm. I thought I was going to increase my, or I, thought I was going to come out of college making six figures. Uh, that did not occur. <laughs> and so I had to go through a real life experiment of how do I go about increasing my salary. For most people, that's actually negotiating your salary. and either through ignorance or through arrogance or through combination of both, I had this idea in my mind of how much money I wanted to make, uh, somewhat thinking that money would buy happiness. <clears throat> and so I positively negotiated my salary every point, at, every job after the first job I got after school, I negotiated my salary. And again, chicken egg, it's, um, you know i will never know if they would have offered me lower or higher but i'd had an, an amount in mind and i break that down at paychecksandbalances.com of how to go about negotiating your salary i have on there seven of our favorite tools that i use for salary negotiation and then to go in there with confidence uh, not with arrogance but here's how much i make now here's how much i want to make and if you've put yourself in a position, which is what you're talking about with that, that individual who, who actually worked in government and you know government doesn't get laid off, he got laid off from government and he made a different choice that I never wanna, he actually went back to work, but he said, I don't wanna put myself in a position where I have to depend on a paycheck again. Mm-hmm. Again, that's gonna be 90% of people where they are gonna depend on a paycheck. So I'm saying, if you are gonna depend on the paycheck, get paid what you're worth. In order to get paid what you're worth, you have to know your value in order to know your value thematically, you need to have a plan in place. Although that's a little bit different. You can go out there and research and there's a lot of tools. Now uh, there's PayScale. I don't have that seven memorized in front of me, but I go over the seven tools that you can use to negotiate your salary.
0: Okay. Another failure that I see a lot of people and make. For the, listeners, for the listeners, they can get all of that information on paychecksandbalances.com, right? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And if you type in salary calculator, that'll bring it up. It's actually um, how to how much debt you can live on with 30, 50, and $100,000 salaries our top post. So if you go to com you click the blog section, which is where I write, that's our top post. I mean, it's very easy to find. It's bold right there over in the right. Um, hopefully you enjoy all the articles, but that's our top articles as voted by our readers. And we do very well <laughs> as far as readership goes now. So you can be vested in that that audience has proven that those are good articles that you wanna read as a starting point. Okay. Uh, and I can follow up with you if you want some exact links for people to click. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, they don't negotiate their salary. And I think another failure they're made, uh, I've moved four or six, four to six times over the last 10 years, uh, both for work and for opportunity. But I also used a cost of living calculator and that's covered in that piece as well. So if CNN money has a great cost of living calculator. So what does that mean? Uh, I did a piece about how 100,000 isn't 100,000. And so 100,000 in New York, might be when you transfer cost of living you might only need to make 70 or sixty thousand in texas Mm -hmm. yeah but in california depending on which city you live in you might need to make one hundred and forty thousand. yeah cost of living is what income do you need to maintain in your new city in order to maintain the cost of living that you had before and i've seen a lot of people fail miserably to do that so let's say i i've been in a hiring manager position a number of times over the years now And it's unfortunately, you know, I have to look out for the company. It's, it's your obligation to have that information, to do that research, to know your value, know your worth. But let's say you make 50,000 in a low cost living city. You're coming to a high cost of living city. That is 10% higher than where you used to live. If you want a 10% raise, what most people do is they ask for 10%. And so they come in making the exact same money from the city they left when they should be asking for 20%. And then explain, Mm. I'm gonna ask for a 20% increase and here's why. I looked at a cost of living calculator that i vetted across three websites and I respect these kinds of conversations. And I saw that living in your city is actually 10% more. And because it's 10% more, I put that on top of my current income and I've added another 10%, which is very reasonable or whatever your negotiating rate is, but what is your current salary? And then, what is your negotiation raise? Most people just negotiate their raise if they negotiate at all. I'd actually say that most people just take what a company offers them.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think I think I think it's one of those skills that most people don't really they don't really know how to go about it. You know, negotiating on it. You also talked about uh, uh, one of your mentors encouraged you to take licenses, so yes. you, you started you know taking some more licenses to kind of like increase your cash flow. So that's some of the things that you were doing too. So paychecks and balances, right? Paychecks and balances. Who should be listening to paychecks and balances? We've actually been
1: surprised. So I, I would say anybody who wants to make more money or advance in their career should look yeah. listen to paychecks and balances. I, obviously, that's the spiel. You know, I'm representing the shirt here today. Oh, okay. um, but... I would say our audience predominantly is millennials uh, and typically older millennials, so 27 and up. But we have people right in, 40s, 50s. You know, This is the first time that I've heard information like this. I appreciate that. We, we thank you all for talking about these subjects. We're trying to, and I think we have been successful in making the conversation comfortable around, as you described earlier, personal finances. Mm-hmm. I, I usually describe it as putting the personal in finances. Mm-hmm. I read, and I talked to, I alluded to it earlier. I read 15 personal finance books. I'm using that to make, make my book better. And that's available at paychecksandbalances.com books. I did a review of each and thematically what I saw is some of the, respectfully, but some of the older books, it's like thou shall, there's only one way to do this. You got to sell everything you own and live on ramen noodles and breadcrumbs. Yeah and you can literally
0: get a bike bike to work
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and um that's cool that's cool (laughs) obviously that wasn't gonna work for me in my bottle lifestyle so i was like "Ah." Uh, and the reason that's important is they did a census study and the average american will make 2.7 million and yet as you spoke to seven in ten people live paycheck to paycheck uh wages have stagnated depending on which economic study you looked at somewhere in the 80s or 90s there's mm-hmm. agreement that they wages have stagnated it's a disagreement about when mm-hmm. and cost of living has gone up when you look at transportation home and food yeah. <clears throat> well actually not food food mm-hmm. has been pretty steady because we found cost savings in other manners but those three categories transportation food and housing is 60% of the average household budget mm-hmm. So if you need to eat and you need to need a roof over your head and you need to get to a job so you can pay for those things, 60% of your budget is those three things. And therefore, when I hear things like that, my life hack, if you will, is to make more money by any means necessary. Although I know that's not an easy avenue for everyone. So I would think number one is not hustle. It's not wake up and grind. It's not side hustle. It's, Get a job, <laughs> if necessary, get multiple jobs. That's going to be your first, most dependable, most secure income. Mm-hmm. And then you can switch gears and say, I think a lot of people, they're like, how do I replace a nine to five? And I'm like, that's a great question. And if you solve it, you've got a billion dollar industry right there. You don't need to figure out how to get a nine to five because you have just found a way to get rich, sell whatever you come up with. But for most people, that's the first thing they need to answer is how am I going to cover those three expenses? How am I going to reduce those three expenses below 60% of my budget? Because you grow the gap. And when you grow that gap between the paycheck where you're not living paycheck to paycheck, that's when you can pay down the debt. That's when you can pay off the student loans. If you're fortunate, that may be when you don't have to take out the student loans or you don't have to take out the debt. As I said, the best debt management strategy is not to take it at all mm-hmm. not but to- if you're going to do those things um i would say secure job it's, it's not against entrepreneurship um but entrepreneurship i think sometimes is mistaken as easy oh i'll just start up a business if you build it they will come no they will not <laughs> it's gonna take some work too and the easiest way yeah to fund that time is to have a nine to five have that traditional
0: thing and i i think yeah you can always have a you can always have a nine five, and then do it do something entrepreneurial on the side while you have a steady income coming in steady income yeah i'm saying I'm, I'm 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 saying this because that kind of what that's kind of like what happened to me you know uh i wanted to start my entrepreneurship i wanted to start my own business but i realized that i wasn't ready <laughs> So when I realized that I wasn't ready, I said, oh, man, I got I got to make sure I find some reliable source of income. Then I can always build a business on the side. Right. So
1: and that's another thing, like you're saying, uh, one is establish you're not always ready. But two, it's a safe failure. If you quit your job and you start a business and you fail. Now you've either got that gap or how you're going to pay the bills or you got to go back to the job, whatever the case is, however long it's going to take to get that job. Uh, if you have a job, steady income, and your business fails, you just go back to work on Monday, <laughs> you know, and then I I actually, I'm living this lifestyle. That's the same as you said, like we have built up paychecks and balances while I've had a nine to five, but technically I've had four business, businesses before and no one, we, I never get interviews about those four businesses because they all fail, <laughs> a lot of them miserably. But the lessons that I learned from those failures allowed me to grow what is now my first successful venture and might ultimately be the venture that leads to either my entrepreneurship or acquisition or next steps or growth or revenue. But those four failures hurt. They were painful. They cost me a lot of money. But had I not gone through them, I would not be where I am
0: today. Yeah, you got to learn through mistakes. That's just the way it is, man. That's life. got to learn through mistakes. So I I saw your picture with Dave Ramsey, you know? uh, So, so it looks like, uh, uh, paychecks and balances. What's, what's the, what's, what's the, what's the future of paychecks and balances? What, what are some of the goals that you have, you know, with, with, uh, with the podcast?
1: I'm going to hit that answer two ways. Um, number one, meeting Dave Ramsey was, Strange, cause my parents used to listen to Dave Ramsey. I remember like he would be on the radio, and then to grow up, uh, I actually interviewed his, his, his daughter uh, coincidentally for another episode. She's also in the personal finance space. We had her on the show, mm-hmm. and so it was weird to meet. It was just surreal. I mean, I don't even know really how to describe it. know uh, the Godfather of personal finance, if you will. So to you know get his you know shoulder to shoulder blessing to be in this space that was really cool. But with paychecks and balances. One, the first way I'm going to answer it is, I could be done. Um, And I say that because I think the answer that people want to hear is, oh, man, next year, seven-figure growth, and I'm finally going to hit that white party yacht. You know, that may be true. (laughs) And maybe you will see me on the yacht, and that would be really cool. But I think this generation, including myself, and I really, you know, maybe fearful for the next generation is this hustle mentality it prevents you from celebrating victories. Mm. And if you had asked 22-year-old me begging on my knees for a consolidation loan, would I be doing interviews for you know, all these news organizations? Would I have a successful podcast that got a million downloads? We actually broke a million downloads about a year or two ago. Uh, would I be a voice in personal finance? If I was able to tell him, like, man, you grew your income, if I could go back and like, hey, man, you know, get up off your knees, <laughs> hang up that phone. You don't need that consolidation loan. Mm-hmm. And like, look what we're going to do in 10 years. You know, successful podcast, successful business, three failures, one successful business, mm-hmm. seven figures in growth or six figures in growth. And, he, he you know, it would have blown his mind, you know, that like, oh man, we, we must be done, right? Like we good when well, we retired in my year or something like that. It's like, I also want to recognize how far I've come and Paychecks and, bav- paychecks and balances has been the most recent avenue for me to succeed at that. Mm-hmm. I say all that to say for people to also celebrate the victories that you've had. I think a lot of people, you strive and you strive and you strive. Mm-hmm. And when are you taking pause for, remember what you have now is what you wanted before. Mm-hmm. So there's that. That's a good- but- Probably the answer y'all wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah. What I want next is, hey, give me all the money. I feel like I worked hard for it. If not me, then who? You know, like at the same time, like if they're going to give it to me, I'm going to go ahead and take it. I feel like I've earned it. I definitely want to see paychecks and balances continue to grow. I've got the uh, Marcus Garrett coming out in 2020. So I'm establishing my own brand. Um that brand is actually going to be for me to start speaking and doing more talks like this to help people who were me 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Because one of my biggest questions is like, where is this information? Why is everyone hoarding it? Why is this so difficult? And to provide a roadmap like you talked about, I have at paychecksandbalances.com. If you go to our tools page, paychecksandbalances.com tools, it's also right there at the homepage. It breaks down a roadmap for people to do what I struggled and crawled and kicked and cried to do. That's what I see for 2020. I'd like to be a medium, a conduit. You talked about a mentor. I, I realize now, 20, 30 years in the game, that I benefited from a lot of things that people didn't have. I had a great network. I had mentors. I had coaches. I had sponsors. I had people who wanted to see me succeed, And I had the people that believed I could succeed when I didn't even see it in myself. Mm -hmm. And there was people out there, you know, uh, like the the picture where you are walking on the beach and you only see one set of footprints. There were people out there carrying me and when I felt like I fell, when I wasn't walking. And if I could be an avenue or a conduit, um, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm not alluding to how, but if I could be someone who either points them in the right direction helps them reach their goal or even is just there to say you're right where you need to be mm-hmm. and getting you are getting where you need to go uh and i had people in my life like that i'd like to be that in other people's
0: life that's awesome man that's awesome so you basically you just want to uh, pass the baton for you know what you've done for yourself and help other people that's awesome yeah. man so so how about we do this what, what do you think so for anybody who's uh either watching this on, on on our YouTube channel KDB Nation or listening from the podcast if you go in and like share and leave a comment uh, Marcus let me know if that's okay with you we can send them a free copy of the book how does that sound to you sounds good sounds good uh, this way they can they can share the message and also uh, share share this video share this podcast with someone who can benefit from it. So. Marcus, before I let you go, where can people find you? You know, I know we got debt free, debt free or die trying.com and paychecks and yes. where else can people find you to have more information about what you do?
1: So the podcast and blog is paychecks and where we help millennials make money, save money and get out of debt. Or as I promised, any working professional who likes more money or honestly any retired professional who wants to make more money. As far as I go, Everything you need to know about me, where I'll be, where I'll be speaking, where I'll be training, that's going to be available in Centralized January 2020. The is coming. If you're on social media, I'm universally branded. The on Instagram. The with one T, because I ran out of characters on Twitter. And then TheMarcusGarrett.com, all that you need to know about me. Hope I can support you, and I hope you'll do the same. Like this video, follow me on the gram, and follow me on Twitter. That's where I'm most at.
0: What's that? All right, Marcus, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for your time here. I appreciate what you do. Keep doing, keep doing the good, the good work. And like, like I like to say in my show, if you know more and you do more, you can become more. Yes, so, sir. have a thank you so much, Marcus. Have a great one. Thank you. all right All right, and uh, just like usual, thank you for listening to the ninety-five outside podcast. Podcast, and if you if you enjoyed this episode, right, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and if it's your first time subscribe to the podcast leave us a five star review on uh, any platform you're listening to apple podcasts google podcasts wherever podcast you listen to and um, let us know you know what it, what you think about the show and if you like it follow me on social media i'm in, i'm on instagram twitter you can find me at usman tx and um, yeah Glad to have you on the show today and I will see you on the next episode. And remember, if you know more and you do more, you can become more.